All right. Welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where you are in the world, tuning into this show. There I am on screen. It's Friday night. No more the law of one. We finished that. So if you're here to see the law of one, you're a day late, a week late. <laughs> we finished all 106 sessions of the law of one last week. So it took us three years and eight months approximately to get through all six books of the law of one. <clears throat> but we did it. I said I was going to do it and we did it. We finished it. So what we're going to do, uh, unfortunately today, I don't have the video racked for um, the alien interview, but I'm going to explain and talk about that uh, into some, into a little bit of detail, but um, today, uh, but it turns out that it's okay for, for the reason for that, me not starting this week on the alien interview um, turned out that it's okay because tomorrow, you know, I have a, a, a webinar in the morning. So, so doing this tonight and doing that tomorrow um, is normal, but it's a good segue. So I can do, I can plug it a little bit more for tomorrow's stuff, but I want to start and, and talk about this because the, the, the problem that I had, welcome everybody. Um, welcome Kevin. I'm looking on the wrong monitor. I can see you guys over here and I always look up to the big monitor over here for the, for the big computer. Right. So uh, share this out, share this out, share this out. Right. Thanks, Kevin, Denise. Thank you. Um, I, I guess it's Tania. Tania, welcome. I don't know if I've recognized that name, so I don't know if I've seen you before. Um, but but maybe you haven't said anything in the chat and you've tuned in. <clears throat> so normally on Friday nights, we have been, been for the last three and a half years talking about the law of one. Uh, and, and now I'm going to segue into, uh, let me give you some a little bit of the juiciness that I can't use the video because it's on this computer and it doesn't play the file, doesn't play as well. Processor here and all that uh, on this computer is better. Uh, and I thought I had transferred it to this computer, but I couldn't find it on here. So I was um, in the process of, of putting it up to Dropbox for myself so I could then download it on this computer over here. And for whatever reason, it's taking a long time to upload. Um, I should have checked this prior, but I, had, I swore that I had done it. I just couldn't find the file. So unfortunately, I'm not going to play the video because if I do play it on here, uh, it breaks. It'll, it'll pause every few seconds for whatever reason. It wants to buff for a half second. Um, my processor speed must be... Uh, a little bit low. I know that I only have a 32-bit um, a processor in here, and I haven't installed the 64-bit processor, which I have over there. I need to put it into this computer, but I have to reconfigure the computer in the box because it won't fit, so I'm going to have to have the lid open. There's a lot of stuff. That's why I haven't done it. Uh, this has a 64-bit processor. Uh, it's a, a MacBook Pro, so uh, you know it's pretty beefy, so it plays everything really well. Where this, I don't like it, where it glitches every now and then as the people are talking, and I, that's just annoying to me. So... Um, I won't be playing it today because uh, it is only on this computer, but I will talk about it. Okay. So those of you who will tune in next time, I'll probably do a quick rendition. I don't have the woman's name either from the file of which I was going to, um, to do, but I didn't, I was working literally till 10 minutes ago um, with Mandy from uh, ancient aliens worldwide because tomorrow um, we're, she's going to be helping me do this uh, webinar. And then on the third of July, uh, we're having people on um, Ancient Aliens Worldwide. And I don't know if she's uh, unleashed that yet to let people know, All right? So, um, uh, so, oh, okay. All right, watch some of your Law of One uh, videos. This is uh, Tania. Uh, also my sister, Jacqueline. Also, you know Jacqueline Taylor. Okay, namaste. So, um, and she's, you know, she knows as much about the Law of One as I do just about. I mean, she talks about that living law of one. Her and I talk about it together. You know, we hit that level of conversation that people go, are they speaking English anymore? What just happened here? Okay. So everybody knows about the Roswell incident. Most people have heard of it. Roswell, New Mexico, 1947, when supposedly an alien spacecraft crashed near Roswell, New Mexico. Um, and the government first came out and said it was a UFO. It was an unidentified flying object. Uh, then they, they came out and said, oh, wait, no, that's not true. Uh, it, it wasn't an alien. It was just a weather balloon. And uh, the cover-up started, okay? I, I remembered during my course of investigations throughout the years, I had heard about this nurse um, in a couple of different investigations who was in the at, nurse at the military base, uh, in Roswell. And one thing that, that I have learned, let's, let's stop that. I want to preface this moment 
with why this is important. Okay. Um, from all the insiders, anybody who has been a super soldier, ex super soldier, somebody who's gone on the 20 and back, somebody who's worked for the government, worked for the military, insiders when they when they're talking about the way that it works, the way that things work with the US government, the military, the US military. And everything's compartmentalized. Moreover, only a few people know literally because it's compartmentalized what is really going on and it doesn't have anything to do with rank. You can have a guy who's a, a corporal and he can know more than a general. It all, it all is surrounded by your DNA, each one of us. The government, the military tracks certain DNA, and they also track certain traits in people, whether they're empathic, whether they're uh, clairvoyant, any and all of those skills at a certain level the government wants to utilize you when they definitely know about you, Okay. And I've talked about how when I was a kid, how I was taken out of class and I was actually tested. And I've talked about the tests that were that were done in this Winnebago and then different things after that happened. I'm not going to get into all that right now. That was an, in past shows I've talked about. But I do know that they track the DNA and they know what skill sets you have. Okay. So the reason I say all of that to get back to the, the woman um, she was empathic. They knew this. They had to have because she had claimed they went and got her and said, you need to come with us. Okay. So they actually said, who's the, you know, who's the nearest empath? Now she claims this in the government, like they did with Bob Lazar. They claimed that she never worked there and none of this, but there's record of it. There's a reporter who actually spoke to her. Right. So she did exist. And, 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 she had a story to tell that she claimed, and this is that story. She eventually got this information uh, out to someone and said, you need to publish this for the world. That was put to, that information was put to a book. That book was read on videotape with documents uh, showing on the screen uh, of, uh, you know, backing up official documentation that supposedly didn't exist and never happened has been declassified and it's all right there. That's the video that I have gotten. In fact, I got that from Mandy, who she got it from someone. It's being passed around. A lot of people are playing it. I, I played the whole thing and watched the whole, it's four hours long. I watched the whole thing. And I'm, I'm going to break that down. I don't know how many days or weeks it'll take us to do that, but I'm going to break that down because there's all kinds of information that is on there. So they claim it didn't happen, yet a lot of people realized and knew that it did, but it was deep covered, covered up. Eventually, she got the information and got it out. A lot of other people did this and, and got this information together to get out to the people. So there was an interview that took place with the captain of one of the ships that crashed. There was more than one. And she lived. Yes. Denny says, let me put it up on the screen so people can, those of you who are listening on the MP3 uh, broadcast, I'll read to you. Um, oh, no, sorry. Here we go. How does, how does our government... Uh, track your DNA through blood tests? Yes. What they do is um, there are certain people, well, let's get with that. Uh, people who have typo negative um, blood or the RH negative factor, um, that bloodline, that DNA has only arisen here on this planet about 10,000 years ago. And those people who have that marker tend to be more clairvoyant than any other DNA. But the mixture of the DNA, so it's not just like it came from the west uh, coast of Spain, right? And that's where the people of Ireland, England, most of the people in that area migrated from in the first and second invasion of Ireland. Uh, so I actually have almost everyone in my family has um, uh, uh, RH negative. I'm type O negative. Almost my entire family's type O negative, right? No joke. It's, it's kind of crazy how many people in my family are type O. Negative. And the, that is one of the markers that if you're typo negative, first of all, that they're going to be following you to, to see and they're, they're going to test you. So I'll get into that then because we talked about that. Um, so when I was in school, I was called out of class one day. People got lab coats. Women in lab coats came with a clipboard. And I was the only person in that classroom who got to go. 
and we went out to the quad uh, and, and now there's a Winnebago park there. And there was other kids. There was probably 10 or 11 of us. And we were the only kids out of the entire school. And we all went into, into this Winnebago and they had cubicles set up. That was all that it was, was cubicles along every wall. So you walked in the back door of the Winnebago and you went to station one and moved through all the stations until you were done. And then they let you go back to class. Didn't even explain why. Just testing all these different skill sets that we have. And there was somebody that was literally walking with us. We were assigned a lab coat woman with a, with a clipboard. And we were only to speak to her, period, and in a whisper. And we had to put on a headset so that we couldn't hear anything else anybody else was saying or doing. And the stations were set up for us to do things. Then I had, after that, not too long after that, while I was in school, again, I was taken out of class. This time it was, it was people coming to get me from the school that my father and two Air Force personnel were in the principal's office and wanted to talk to me. Okay. And that was when they tried to recruit me into their junior Air Force Academy, that I would be a lieutenant straight when I turned 18 and go full into the Air Force. And I would be put into a project that I could never speak about. They were telling me they said 11 years old. Right. I was like, I can't make that decision right now. I need to think about this. And so I thought, you know, so I ended up not. And one of the guys that was a friend of mine who was also tested, he did. And I didn't see him again after that was we, we, we separated. I was in the sixth grade separated. We went different schools. I never saw him again until I was 18. And I went to Travis uh, Air Force Base here in California to watch the Blue Angels. My father and I rode motorcycles uh, to, the, to the base. It was hot as Hades that day. And um, we kept taking our helmets off and getting busted for taking our helmets off because at the time there was no helmet law in California, but there was on military bases, always has been. So every time we were on the military base, we kept getting pulled over, going around every corner by an MP yelling at us to put our helmets back on. But they parked the guys that had motorcycles in a hangar away from uh, the rest of the cars. So when I was pulling around, he recognized me because, again, we had taken off our helmets. And so as we were pulling into the hangar, he was there and he was a lieutenant in the Air Force. And he recognized me and he came up, oh, Lenny, what are you doing? And I was like, hey. And he's like, you should have did it. You should have joined. And he couldn't tell me anything more. And right then, he was swooped up by his handlers. What are you doing? Come over here. Get away from that person. You can't talk to them. And I never saw him again. But he said, I should have joined. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I can't talk about it. So he was in some sort of secret operation, secret ops. Sharon, welcome, welcome. Uh, like I said, share this out, share this out, share this out. Uh, so, and then my phone starts talking to me because of what I said. It's keyed to my voice. Gotta love that. Say the wrong thing in your sleep and your phone's ordering weird shit for your house, right? Okay, so I didn't join them, but they were, they were hounding me from that time until I was 24 years old. And then they stopped. Literally had a recruiter calling me or showing up where I was or coming to my house to try and still get me on board until I was 24. By that time I had, you know, I was going to school, I was in college and that was when I was taking physics and I wanted to be, you know, this, this, you know, rocket scientist. And, and, you know, then I started realizing just exactly what this dragon was that is the, the federal government of the United States. And that no matter what I would do, if I helped them, you know, manufacture anything, it was going to be weaponized by them. So I didn't want to have any part of that. So I, I stopped uh, and I didn't continue, right? I have a cat. You can see him in the shop. See that tail right back there? <laughs> right over there. There's my key. Tail, he's walking around meowing at me back there. Um, his name is Patch and he is a Siberian. He is huge. He is a, a really tall, really lanky cat. Second biggest domestic cat on the planet. Yeah, so the men in black, yeah, Nick. So, yeah, in a sense, the men in black, yes. Um, so I never got into that. Uh, you know, I didn't get to go to that stuff, uh, which my father said I probably should have because it would have been really cool shit that I would be working at either Skunk Works or wherever. And from what all the guys said that I've heard, the insiders, man, it would have been a good, really cool ride to, to be able to actually know that all of the things that I think uh, since then and that I've learned from these people that had really happened. Now, this was one of those situations going back to the, the interview, which unfortunately I'm not going to be able to play today. I actually, I might, I have it queued from this computer. So I may play some to see how it goes. Okay. 
it's actually racked on this computer, but I don't like the way it plays. Um, so here's the theory, and this is where this starts, and, and you'll understand that because I think I will do that. We'll try it. If it doesn't play right, then I'll wait till next week, right? So we'll give it a go. So you guys are going to get some of this interview. So what they did was they did the same thing they did to Bob Lazar, where they claimed that she didn't exist and she wasn't real, but this information got out there. And what this information corroborates is a lot of what people talk about with there's this draconian soul trap. Now, let me explain what that means, okay? The draconians, right, the Draco, the lizard people that live within the earth, right, they helped the, the people on the earth, the humans, to take control of the matrix, okay? So what they've done is they've taken away our history. We already get mind wiped here anyways. It's part of the laws of one, okay? In the third dimension, this is the first place that we are all baby souls, we think for the first time, you become self-aware, you become in this place, you become a human. And then you ascend through what it means to be a human to then uh, you know, get reacquainted with yourself to, to where, and we'll get into that later because that's what, what this whole thing is about. But as you move up, you're supposed to graduate at some point and ascend. That's been taken away from us. And there's this supposed, I don't know for sure, because you get mind wiped every time when you die, there's this sense of, you know, instead of being taken to heaven or whatever, um, your guides and everybody convince you to come back down here and start over, right? And so there, there's claiming, and I don't know if any of this is true, but there's claims that I have heard separate from this interview, which could have been based on this interview, because I, I'm pretty sure I read this book about 35 years ago, because it all sounded familiar as I was um, playing it. I knew everything already that was being, I'm like, I know that from so in my memory. I already know that. So a lot of that could have been from this that people are talking about now. So, uh, so because this, I don't know how long this has been out on the market and I haven't looked it up, but I will do that to give you guys the, uh, when the book actually hit the market so we can cover that later in another episode and find that, answer that. So I'll have that ready to go for next week. So they claim that the, our planet is a penal colony and that they have these soul traps and that's why you hear some people say, don't go into the light, because when you go into the light, that is that. And where I'm going to start this is where they're showing, you know, those fly traps that they had where they were electric and you hanged them up and you turned them on and it glowed purple and flies and moths would fly to it because it was the only light. When they landed on it, it went and it electrocuted them and killed them. Okay, so this is how this video starts, <laughs> right? So you'll see that. I'm going to pull it up on the screen. But it's the so the, the the premise of what was happening here is she was they knew she was empathic, so they brought her because the alien wasn't speaking to anyone. Okay, so they brought her in to see if the alien would speak to her because they were bringing in other people, and they, that alien wouldn't talk to anyone or communicate with anyone except for this nurse ever. And we find out why later, right. So, okay, so, so uh, uh, Tania says, yes, we're, I'm aware of, that, of this as well. Okay, so some of you already have a little bit of, of knowledge from the backstory, and you may even know the story for yourselves. So she wouldn't communicate with anyone. When I say she, I'm referring to, because I don't remember what her name is. They, they give her name in here, but the alien, the female alien. It was a female alien. She was the captain of the ship. She didn't die. She would only communicate with this nurse who was also a female and um, through telepathy only. So she would go in and sit down and this, this alien would, would talk to her, but would not take any questions and especially any questions from the military. But she wanted to know information, which we'll, we'll get into that as well as we go. Okay, so there's this four hours. And what you'll see on the screen is documentation of what is being read to you. A man read this and filmed it. And uh, you'll hear his voice. And I'll be doing like I normally do. I'll be pause and, and play and pause and play. Um, so we'll see how this one turns out. Let me add it to the screen here. There we go. And so it'll be up here and oh, it already started. So you can see that and hear it, right? So this concept parallels the ancient, right? An ancient alien uh, ISBE trap. Now in this, the, like if you listen to the law of one read that, they, you know, they refer to each individual as a hive mind body complex. 
in this, they'll explain why they uh, they make up this name whom they call humans or our souls and is be. Okay, and and the reason for that is that we we are right. So so the is is that we are, and we are being. So they so we are alive and we're a being. So they're using that generic term of is be, right? As your immortal soul, you are alive and you are being alive or are a being. They'll explain that. So when you see that here, the ancient is be trap. So what they're showing is. This is representing the light. When you die, you see the light, and they say go to into the light. When you go into the light, it's an electromagnetic shock that erases everything you learned, and it and it basically they recycle you and you're reborn into another body, and they're keeping us here perpetually forever. Okay, so that's what this alien actually explained to this woman, and it starts with that, and you'll see we'll we'll uh, we'll continue. And like I said, if it starts getting to where it's too glitchy, then I'll go, okay, that sucks, and we'll, we'll not do that. But we might, we'll just try to plug through, okay? So let me go ahead and, and play some of this for you, all right? Rockwell, alien interview about the source of material in this book. The content of this book is... That is as loud as I can get that, guys, so you might have to turn up your sound, okay? It's primarily excerpted from the letter interview, transcripts, and personal notes I received from the late Matilda O'Donnell McElroy. Her letter to me asserts... See, so it's Matilda, right? Matilda O'Donnell McElroy. That's the nurse. That's the woman. Okay? So it is, seems like it's playing okay. It's just a little low on volume, so you guys can turn up your volume and it'll be all right. It's the... This material is based on her recollection of communication with an alien being who spoke with her telepathically. During July and August of 1947, she interviewed an extraterrestrial be being who she identifies as... See, see how it's skipping right there a little bit, guys? That's because it's being played by the other computer over here. Right. So I apologize for those little skips in the sentence. It's not flowing completely 100%, um, but we can still plug through it. And then next time I'll play it on this computer and we don't have that issue. Carol, and whom she claims was and continues to be an officer, pilot, and engineer who was recovered from a flying saucer that crashed near Roswell, New Mexico on July 8th, 19. So the alien's name is. is is it's Errol A I R L? Okay, that's what the woman's name is. The alien that was flying the spaceship, Errol. Teen forty-seven. Obviously, anyone reading anything about this most famous or infamous of all flying saucer or alien encounter events must necessarily be highly suspicious regarding one the authenticity of the report and two the credibility of the source of information especially when it appears for the first time after 60 years after the alleged event. I received the aforementioned letter from Mrs. McElroy on September 14, 2007, together with a package of documents. The package contained three types of documents. One, handwritten notes in cursive, on ordinary lined eight and a half by 11 inch school notebook paper, which I assumed had been written personally by Mrs. McElroy. Two, notes typed on a manual typewriter on plain white 20 pound bond paper, which I am assuming were prepared personally by her. At least both had the appearance of having been written in the same handwriting and or typed in the same typewriter consistently throughout. The writing in the notes I received also appeared to be the same as the writing on the address and return envelope of the manila envelope I received from Nevan, Ireland, which was postmarked on September 3rd, 2007. Since I am not a forensic expert or handwriting analyst, my opinion in these matters 
is not a professionally qualified judgment. Three, many types of typewritten transcriptions of her interview with the alien. These were obviously typed on a different typewriter. These pages were typed on a different type of paper and showed apparent signs of age and repeated handling. None of these notes were assembled in any particular order or by date except were indicated by a sentence or paragraph of preamble or explanation by her or by extrapolation from the context of the pages. Voltaire is quoted as having said, history is a Mississippi of lies. According to the comments made by the alien in the interview transcripts supplied by Mrs. McElroy, the fundamental lesson of history is that many, many gods have become men, but very few men, if any, have returned to being a god again. According to the alien being, Errol, if anything he, she, or it supposedly communicated can be trusted, and if the translation or interpretation of this alleged communication is accurate, the history of this universe is a river of lies, down which the might and freedom of all powerful godlike immortal spiritual beings ended and was lost in a sea of matter and mortality. Furthermore, according to the very direct and undiplomatic statements made, which seem to express the personal opinion of the alien, if one were traveling the far reaches of the universe in search of a place called hell, it would be an accurate description of earth and the inhabitants in its current condition. To further compound... You know, I have always said that uh, as a joke, but I, I got it from Toons from uh, Chronicles of Riddick, right? Where, all right, so it's not mine, I didn't make it up, but it's still hilarious. He, in that, in a scene there, he says, uh, you know, if, if I owned this place and hell, I would rent this one out and live in hell, right? So I've said that about, about the earth, right? In, in joking, if I owned this place and hell, I would live in hell and rent this one out, right? <laughs> because the definition can be seen as hell if that's what you're looking at only. And I've shown that with videos that I've made that are on my other YouTube channel that is on my name, not Orion Rising, but under Leonard O'Neill. And <clears throat> I've shown, I've made videos to show the beauty of even the things that we have built on this planet and the beauty of nature, uh, two different videos that show that, that it's, that, you know, literally your reality is what you perceive it to be. So if you're, if you're in that mood of, I believe we're in hell. You're only going to see hell-like things or hellish-like things on the earth that's going to corroborate and, and, and justify you saying and thinking that this is hell. Do you see? So, so in, from a, a certain perspective, what he's saying can be seen as true, but you have to choose that perspective. I don't believe in all honesty that this is hell at all. This is a beautiful planet. It's a beautiful place. Is it hard? Is it rough? Is it maybe the toughest place on the in the universe to live? Yeah, yeah. Maybe not the toughest, but it's pretty tough, pretty hard, right? It's not an easy place to live, but it can be. So it depends on what you're doing. So I just wanted to say that. But from the perspective of this this alien, this would be considered hell. Complicate and magnify the incredible source of the interview transcripts I received from Mrs. McElroy is the fact that they are one based almost entirely on telepathic communication between the alien and Mrs. McElroy. Two, many of these interviews discuss paranormal activities of immortal spiritual beings. Of course, most scientific authorities are unwilling to acknowledge or perceive spiritual phenomena of any kind. The dictionary definition of the word paranormal is, adjective, one, cannot be explained by scientific methods. Two, supernatural or seemingly outside the normal sensory channels. By definition, people who use the word paranormal are, one, not able to explain spiritual phenomena, and two, spiritual phenomena are outside of their normal sensory channels. 
In short, scientists suffer from the inability and or unwillingness to perceive and or explain spiritual activities. Therefore, the discussion of spiritual activities or spiritual universes in this book are expected to be understood only by those who can and will perceive such things. According to the time spans related by the alien in several of the interviews, there are a number of compelling and heretofore unknown reasons that suggest the possibility that many extraordinary miscalculations have been made by Earth scientists regarding the origins and antiquity of the universe, Earth, life forms, and events. Of course, these may or may not be accurate either as time and its ugly stepchild history are largely subjective. However, it can be observed that by contrast with interstellar or macrocosmic time, the historical perspectives of residents of Earth is limited to a relatively microscopic period of time compared to what are considered to be recent times in the chronology of a space travel civilization, much less the entire span of the universe. The geological record of Earth is reckoned by the best guesses of scientists to be about 4 billion years. The antiquity of Homo sapiens in the archaeological textbooks is estimated at only a few million years at most. Even the entire biological spectrum is considered to have existed on this planet for only a few hundred million years. And by and large, the personal memory of individual beings on this planet is limited to only one lifetime. All other dates, events, or interpretations of events cited in this book are from terrestrial sources, which are purely subjective observations, conjectures, or inventions of human beings, including those of the author, and must therefore be credited or disregarded by the reader accordingly, considering the pension of earth inhabitants to myopia, egocentricity, and general ignorance of the several universes in which we dwell. This book is intended to be an informal presentation of information provided to me 60 years after the fact of a series of interviews between an alien spacecraft officer, pilot, and engineer and an Army Air Force surgical nurse. Okay, so there's... Here's the here's the book, right? So those of you who have the visuals, you can see that alien interview based on top secret 1947 government transcripts from Roswell, New Mexico. And if you look at the cover of the book there, you can see a picture of her on the cover. Okay, so <clears throat> so now we, he did the same thing. I I prefaced my um, you know what I'm going to be talking about. I take the same um, breath and, and ideology that he does of, you know, we don't have a lot of corroboration from a lot of this, but the documentations are all there. Okay. <clears throat> so, but it's all based on really conjecture because we don't know if she really did um, have these conversations, but there's documentation that show that, right? So let's just play it. Let's just continue. Now it's not starting. <laughs> I paused it and now it's not playing. I'm not sure what happened there. Roswell, there we go. Alien interview. The letter from Mrs. McElroy. Dear Lawrence, I'm typing this letter to you on my old Underwood typewriter that I bought after I was discharged from the Army. Somehow it seems like a fitting contrast to the subject of this letter and the documents you will find enclosed in this envelope. The last time I spoke to you was about eight years ago. During your brief telephone interview with me, you asked me to assist you with the 
research for the Oz Factors book you were writing because you suspected that I might know something that would help your investigation into the possibility that extraterrestrial beings may have influenced the history of Earth. When we spoke, I told you that I did not have any information that I could share with you about anything. Since then, I have read your book and found it very interesting and compelling. You are obviously a man who has done his homework and who could understand my experiences. I've been thinking a lot about your allusion to the old philosopher whom you paraphrased in our conversation, with great power comes great responsibility. Although I didn't think power is pertinent in my life or to my reasons for sending you the enclosed documents, you certainly did get me thinking about my responsibility. I have reconsidered my position for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is my realization that you are right. I do have a responsibility to myself at least. I cannot possibly tell you all the personal hell of ethical irresolution and spiritual ambivalence I have endured since 1947. I do not want to keep playing the game of maybe I should have or maybe I shouldn't have through the rest of eternity. Many men have been killed to extinguish the possibility of revealing the knowledge I have helped to withhold from society until now. Only a small handful of people on earth have seen and heard what I have had the burden of keeping secret for sixty years. All those years I thought that I had been entrusted with a great deal of confidence by the powers that be in our government. Although I have often felt that power is greatly misguided to protect mankind from certain knowledge that not only do intelligent extraterrestrial life forms exist, but they have and continue to aggressively. <laughs> right, Melissa. <laughs> Melissa said protection might be behind. <laughs> right. We <laughs> monitor and invade the lives of everyone on Earth every day. Therefore, I think the time has come to pass along my secret knowledge to someone, I think, will understand it. I don't think it would be responsible of me to take the knowledge I have into the silent afterlife beyond reach of recognition. I th think there is a greater good to be served than protecting the vested interests for whom this information is considered a matter of national security, whatever that means, and therefore justification for making it top secret. Also, I am now 83 years old. I have decided to leave this body, which has outlasted its usefulness to me, using a painless method of self-administered euthanasia. I have very few months to live and nothing to fear or lose. So I have moved away from Montana, where you know, we have found that is a really, really good motivator for knowledge to come out. That, and I've talked about this many times. You can go back and go over to Ancient Aliens Worldwide, the group, and go and look in our video archives, and you'll see that uh, we have videos from these guys that were all working for Skunk Works. You know, the guys that these companies are named after, Lear, right? Uh, you know, uh, um, Lockheed. Martin, those guys, those actual men, before they all died, they were all dying of cancer, strangely, right? The, the method, the preferred method of the American government to whack people is cancer, give them cancer, right? The Russians give you a nuclear isotope that, that is radioactive and it kills you. Uh, the Americans somehow get you cancer <clears throat> because everybody who ever works for them on a, a secret level, when they're old, they die of cancer. So when they know they're terminal, there is nothing that the government can take from them anymore because they're dying. They don't care. So they come out and they tell this. The same thing happened when she was 83. This literally the letter that she uh, uh, wrote to this guy was just before her euthanasia. She, they, they, you know, a doctor assisted her in death. She chose it. And they gave her a shot. and She died. Right. But she got this information out to somebody who got it out to the world. And, and that's what I'm here to do is show you this and talk about it. Right. Where my husband and I lived for most of our life, to spend our remaining days in a lo 
lovely rented upstairs bedroom in a house in the homeland of my husband's family. And, and yes, Melissa, she said, Melissa said certain bloodlines they have uh, affection for. Mine happens to be one. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. You hadn't arrived yet. Um, that, yes, uh, you know, I have a, a typo negative um, uh, DNA, right, blood. Uh, and so my DNA is preferable. We talked about that, how they tried to recruit me when I was 11, and they continued to try and recruit me until I was 24. And I think they kind of still do afterwards because I have the Illuminati trying to recruit me all the time, right? And I don't know if it's the real Illuminati or not. Either way, I don't want anything to do with them because I'm uh, against what they're made for, right? They're made for the indoctrination and getting you, all of us who are light workers, turned around to be murderous um, um, rapists of children, right? Family in County Meath, Ireland. I will die not far from the Great Mound at Noth and Doth, the fairy mound of darkness. These are sacred cairns or massive stone structures that were erected about 3700 BCE and engraved with indecipherable hieroglyphs about the same time as the pyramids or other inexplicable stone monuments were being built all over the earth. I am also not far from from the hill of Tara, that was once the ancient seat of power in Ireland, where 142 kings are said to have reigned in prehistoric and historic times. In ancient Irish religion and... And yes, Melissa, I agree. That, you know, that I found that out about myself, that I have protection, that I am protected and they can't do anything. That's why they've tried to kill me four times. <laughs> Didn't succeed, right? Literally tried to murder me. I didn't know that that was what was happening. I was told that later. Talked about that many times on my show, right? So yeah, it turns out that the coalitions that have been coming through, the people that have been coming through have now started, and the ones that are not in body here, uh, have started to uh, protect um, and have other people come through that can protect us. Uh, and we protect each other, whereas there was a time when that wasn't happening and they were whacking people. You know, 1947, like she said, they would kill people for this knowledge. But you now here we are in 2021. They can't just whack us off anymore. They keep trying. You know, they, they put this coronavirus out there trying to kill as many as they could, hoping it would kill off most of the planet. That's going to come out, right, eventually. Mythology, this was the sacred place of dwelling for the gods. And Well, unfortunately, I, I feel bad for you for that, Melissa, but um, but you still could be, not as a breeder, You your, the abilities that you have, could be exploited, right? They could use you in many ways until until they're done with you. There's many, many things they could have you do, right? Uh, and so it's not just, you know, you for so the breeding purposes, they could still take your DNA and what, clone it. You know, we talked about that. Use your DNA in other ways. You may not be able to have to bear children. That doesn't mean that you, you know, that you uh, aren't valuable in that way. So they would find ways to use you. There are many. Was the entrance to the other world St. Patrick came to Tara to conquer the ancient religions of the pagans. He may have suppressed the religious practices in the area, but he certainly did not have any impact on the gods who brought these civilizations to earth, as you will discover when you read the documents enclosed. Therefore, this is a fitting location for my departure from this unholy world and final release from the burdens of this life. The crystal clear perspective of hindsight has revealed a higher purpose to me, assisting the survival of the planet, all living beings and life forms in our galaxy. The status quo of our government establishment has been to protect the people from knowledge of such matters. In fact, the only protection afforded by ignorance and secrecy is to hide the private agenda of those in power to enslave others and by doing so to disarm every perceived enemy and ally through superstition and stupidity therefore i have enclosed the original and only existing copies of my personal notes and reflections on a matter which i have kept hidden from everyone even my own family i have also enclosed my copies of typed transcripts created by the stenographer who transcribed all of my interviews with the alien saucer pilot after each interview was finished. 
I do not have any copies of the tape recordings that were made of my interview reports. No one until now knows that I was able to secretly retain copies of the official interview transcripts. Now I'm entrusting these documents to your discretion to impart to the world in any form or manner you see fit. My only request is that you do so in a way that will not threaten your life or well-being, if possible. If you were to incorporate these notes of my experiences into a work of fiction such as a novel, the factual nature of the material could be easily dismissed or discredited by any agency for whom the national security is used as a personal shield against scrutiny and justice. In doing so, you could disavow any knowledge of their true origin and claim that it is a fictitious work of your imagination. Whoever said that truth is stranger than fiction was right as rain. For most people, all of this will be unbelievable. Unfortunately, beliefs are not a reliable criteria for reality. Also, I'm... Right? I love that. Right? Unfortunately, beliefs are not a reliable criteria for reality. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't make it not real. Right? I'm sure that if you were to show these notes to anyone that would prefer physical, economic, or spiritual slavery over freedom, the subject matter contained in them would seem quite objectionable. If you attempted to publish the documents as a matter of factual reporting in a newspaper or on the evening TV news, they would be rejected out of hand as the work of a kook. Which is what they normally do, right? Welcome to Sherry. She just popped in and said hi in the, in the uh, chat. So, which is what they do. They do that all the time. They always discredit and call you a lunatic. I had that happen to me. <clears throat> right? I've had that happen to me. Literally, <clears throat> in this 17 months that we've had this pandemic, I have talked about all of the things that, that you know, well, first of all, your guys' math is wrong. This pandemic is only a, a 10% or a 1%, pardon me, a 1% mortality rate. And only in those people, I'm a scientist, I'm not an idiot. So I looked this up and I, and I checked the numbers, right? They keep pushing them at you on the news every day, over and over and over. This is how many people have gotten the virus. This is how many people have died. They don't tell you how many people survived, right? And I said, hey, look, there's some things that I've noticed about this pandemic. And they, in the videos where I talked about that, they said I was a conspiracy theorist. In fact, checked me and said there was a debunked conspiracy theory. And they deleted my videos from Facebook and YouTube. And then I popped them back up. Some of them got, stayed on YouTube, but not Facebook. They wouldn't allow it. But some of them stayed on Facebook and not YouTube. So all my videos are still up, but they're not all up on both channels because some of them were deleted as uh, spam or as um, conspiracy theories. All of the content of what I talked about is now mainstream media news in the last two months. And they're even uh, using the sources that I used at the time. But it was all conspiracy theory then, right? Now that the, the government is looking into this pandemic and starting to ask the questions about when it started, how it started, and where it started, up to and including in Wuhan at the time, and we'll get back to this with the aliens. Uh, this, is a, this is me showing you how the, the government works again, okay? So... There was a military games, war games in Wuhan, China. Everyone in the world had people there. I said oh, more than a year ago, I believe that the outbreak started in late September. That was the infection. Three weeks later, people started getting sick. Okay. I showed last year that the CDC here in America had more than 70,000 cases of some flu virus that was not something that they recognized. They said it must be a new strand and they left it alone. December was when the Chinese came out to the World Health Organization and said, oops, by then it was worldwide. 
Okay, they keep trying to say the cases didn't hit America until until March. No, that's not true. I remember going back in January and it started then. And then I did the investigation and realized that it started in actually in September. The reason it blew up worldwide so fast was because it actually started in September around the military games. Most of you don't know anything about that because the, the day that this thing started was the day, coincidentally, the day they announced that they were going to impeach Donald Trump for the second time. That was the day they had the games, and that was the day that China first said there was a virus that got leaked out. That was not in the news very much. It was, in fact, while it was happening, I was watching international news, not American international news. And that's the only reason why I saw that. I said, look, there's a plague going on in China, and no one over here is even talking about it because all they're trying to do is impeach the president. So they were impeaching the president all the way up until they until they impeached him, whatever that date was, somewhere in, what, January or whatever. It was actually after he left office. So from September all the way the next six months, they were impeaching the president. They impeached him after he was out of office. They didn't care about what was going on on the planet. Okay, I said that it's weird that they're not counting any cases of regular flu. Does anyone notice that no one's dying from anything besides COVID? I was a conspiracy theorist. The CDC last Wednesday came out and said, we have found that nobody counted any influenza deaths for the entire 15 months of COVID. Moreover, respiratory problems that people normally would die from, heart attacks, congenital heart disease, COPD, none of that happened either. So for the very first time in history, since they've been counting no one died from the flu, no one died from heart attacks, no one died from congenital heart disease, and no one died from COPD or any other uh, 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 problem that was terminal. All of those went away for a whole year, yet COVID was run rampant. So by COVID killing people, was it stopping everything for everyone else from being counted? Is No, they weren't counting anything other than COVID. And their own numbers reflect that. I said that over a fucking year ago. And I was a conspiracy theorist, and I was deleted for it. Now, the CDC actually admitted that. And now you have people in the government, politicians, going, we need to ask them motherfucking questions. And because now they're asking questions, they're asking the same questions that I asked for the last 15 months, last 17 months. And now they're starting to get answers. And guess what the answers are? They're going to the same sources that I went to and quoting those same sources on the news now. So everything that I have been saying the entire time have been deleted, not just me, millions of us around the world, doctors, all these people being deleted from the internet, all these people being, being shamed. This is their MOD. This is their mode of operation, right? This is the modus operandi. That's the MO, right? So... So that's what they did to this woman. That's what they did. That's what they always do historically. Right? So let's continue with what she's saying here. So I'm glad that she came out and is writing this. Like I said, I'm going to break it down. It's you know, a four-hour video. It's going to take me a while to get through. It'll just like the law of one, but it won't take three years. <laughs> it won't take that long. The very nature of these documents make them unbelievable and therefore discreditable. Conversely, the release of this information is potentially catastrophic for certain political, religious, and economic vested interests. These documents contain information which is quite relevant to your interest and investigations into alien encounters and paranormal experience. To use your analogy in the Oz factors book i can honestly say that the few factual reports that have been made by others about alien influences are only a gentle breeze in the eye of the apocalyptic hurricane swirling around earth there really are wizards and wicked witches and flying monkeys in this universe this information which has been suspected and or speculated upon by so many for so long has been constantly denied by mainstream media, academia, and the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about in his farewell address. As you know, in July 1946, 
1967, the Roswell Army Airfield, RAAF, issued a press release stating that personnel from the field's 509th Bomb Group had recovered a crashed flying disc from a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico, sparking intense media interest. Later that same day, the commanding general of the 8th Air Force stated that Major Jesse Marcel, who was involved with the ordinary recovery of the debris, had recovered only the tattered remnants of a weather balloon. The true facts of the incident have been suppressed by the United States government since then. You, <clears throat> Yeah, Melissa, that's exactly what I'm going to put that up on the screen. Um, the pilot had a... a oh, hold on, I have the... The pilot had a bias, right? It's a she, by the way. It's not a he. The pilot had a bias. That's why she said what she said to her. Um, yeah, that's the truth. And that's part of what I'm going to get into as we go, because I believe exactly that. Yeah, Nancy has her flying monkey. Laugh out loud. That's funny, Sherry. That is actually hilarious. You may not know that I was enlisted in the U.S. Women's Army Air Force WAC Medical Corps, which was a part of the U.S. Army back then. I was assigned to the 509th Bomb Group as a flight nurse at the time of the incident. When the news that there had been a crash was received at the base, I was asked to accompany Mr. Cavett, the county intelligence officer, to the crash site as the driver of his vehicle and to render any needed emergency medical assistance to any survivors, if necessary. There so she was this, so she was a, a, a surgeon, right? A medical surgeon that would treat traumatic injuries for the military. Why is it that, that she was picked? You know, first of all, <clears throat> you're going to be this guy's driver. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we want you to assist in any way. So here's again, where I talk about how the government takes somebody and plucks them from the ranks and puts them into a position of high intensive security. So they grabbed her, not just, and we know this as the time goes on, not just because she's a, a trauma surgeon, a combat trauma surgeon, but because she also has empathic abilities, and you'll see that, right? So, I mean, that's, the, you know, the, that's what they do. So now she's compartmentalized and sworn to secrecy, and she was just this nurse surgeon that they even denied was even there and denied her existence at one point shortly after the, you know, the whole thing started getting – every time there was a wave of looking into her, there was this attempt to silence that, just like they did with Bob Lazar, right? So it's the modus operandi again, right? It's the MO. Before, I briefly witnessed the wreckage of an alien space – craft as well as the remains of the several alien personnel aboard the craft who were already dead when we arrived i learned that one of the personnel on board the craft had survived the crash and was conscious and apparently uninjured the conscious alien was similar in appearance but not the same as the others none of the other personnel present could communicate with the survivor as the being did not communicate verbally or by any recognizable signs. However, while I examined the patient for injuries, I immediately detected and understood that the alien being was attempting to communicate with me by mental images or telepathic thought, which projected directly from the mind of the being. I immediately reported this phenomenon to Mr. Cavett, as no other person present could perceive these thoughts and the alien seemed able and willing to communicate with me, it was decided after a brief consultation with a senior officer that I would accompany the surviving alien back to the base. This was partly due to the fact that I was a nurse and could attend to the physical needs of the alien as well as serve as a non-threatening communicator and companion. After all, I was the only woman at the site and the only one who was not armed. I was thereafter assigned permanently to serve as a companion of the alien at all times. My duty was to communicate with and interview the alien and to make a complete report of all that I had discovered to command authorities. Subsequently, I was supplied with specific lists of questions provided to me by military and non-military personnel, which I was 
to interpret for the alien and record the responses to the questions provided. I also accompany the alien at times during medical testing and the many other examinations to which the alien was subjected by staff from numerous government agencies. I was given a promotion and rank to senior master sergeant to improve my security rating and to increase my pay grade from 54 dollars a month to 138 dollars per month for this very unusual that's 1947 that's actually a lot of money <laughs> in 1947 that's a lot of money 138 dollars a month is a lot of money usual assignment i performed these duties from july 7th through august 1947 at which time the alien died or departed the body as you will read about in my notes although i was okay i think we're going to stop there Right. I don't want to go on too long um, uh, each night. And I still try to keep these at one hour interval. I know some of you are like, what? No. Right. <clears throat> so we'll stop right there. And that's at the 19 minute mark. Um, so I'll make a note of that and we'll pick back up next Friday on the 19 minute mark. Uh, and it did actually played OK. It just had the little skip here and there. Um, but um, I'll put it. I'll have it downloaded to this other computer for next time and it'll be fine. But you get this sense now. It's here. You, you know, Errol is the female pilot's name. Right. And you, now you understand what's what's happening. So now we're going to get into the interviewing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that I played everything from the book so we didn't have, uh, you know, I did that with a law of one. I don't skip. Right. Um, I only skipped like a, a 30 second slot in the very beginning to get to that fly trap. Right. So that was that was that. OK, so, guys, there's some there's some stuff to think about. Uh, tell your friends, uh, every Friday night we'll be talking about this interview and we'll be playing this interview uh, that came from this book that you guys can buy. It's probably still out on the market uh, that you guys can buy. And we'll be discussing that because there's a lot of stuff in there to unpack. And Melissa's kind of already on to it with some of the things, you know, that are perspective bound uh, that you'll see in there. And we'll discuss that and discuss how much of what is being told is is um, believable as reality or not or whatever, we're all going to have to make up our own minds to that. But I'll speak to that as things are being um, said, right? Uh, and you guys will get that. And you guys have your take as well. We all have our own personal take. So, all right, guys, namaste. Thank you. Uh, I love every single one of you. Uh, share this out. Share this out. Uh, and, and I will be entitled uh, Interview with an Alien so that you guys know. Or maybe I'll change it to Alien Interview. Isn't that what the book is called? Um, I'll, I'll double check that. If so, I'll, I'll make it the name of the book uh, so that you guys know. And that's what we're going to be talking about on Fridays now. Um, I will still be doing spiritual stuff. I'm probably going to be doing a, um, either a Saturday or a Wednesday show where I'll shift and have the, the, the um, spirituality and stuff that I talk about. We'll be there. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of guests. <clears throat> a lot of the people that spoke in the last three webinars I'm going to have on individually. Uh, and we have a webinar coming up tomorrow morning, <clears throat> 10 o'clock West Coast America time. Free webinar uh, that's going to be broadcast, simulcast on YouTube and Facebook uh, starting 10 a.m. West Coast America time. And it's going to run until 7 p.m. West Coast America time. And we have, um, I don't have the paperwork in front of me right now, but I have a guest every, every hour that's going to be speaking. <clears throat> so it's going to be really cool. It's called Zero Point Becoming One. So it's not Zero Point Energy, however. The reason I say that, I preface that, is next month in, in uh, the month of July, we'll be doing another webinar, and it will be entitled Zero Point Energy. So this is the zero point spirituality becoming one, and then we'll be talking about energy next month and zero point energy, which also ties into spirituality. Okay? So so tomorrow, tune in tomorrow, and um, it's going to be really cool. We have a, lot, a good lineup. So it's going to be really fun tomorrow, and then we'll be back to the Law of One next week. Or, I'm sorry, the alien interview. See, I've been saying the Law of One for three and a half years. I automatically said it. All right. So this is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. I love you guys. Namaste, and I will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. <laughs>